everyone, and welcome back to Enlightenedhood. I am your host, Nina Lemos, and boy, oh boy, have I had quite the week. I have been the sickest that I can ever remember being in my adulthood besides my first trimester, and there's nothing worse than going to the doctor and them telling you, you know what, we have no idea what's wrong with you, we've eliminated a bunch of options, and we're pretty sure it's just a virus, so you're going to have to wait it out. And on top of that, try to take care of a daughter and not have her get sick as well is just, you never realize how challenging things are when you add motherhood on top of it. But I'd like to give a shout out to my husband who took some days off from work, took care of me, took care of our daughter, and really gave me that time I needed to heal. And to all the mamas out there who have taking care of a little one while being sick. I see you. I bow down to you. I worship you. And it is so amazing just all the things that we do as women. And then I got thinking, do you ever feel like when you get sick that it's really your body just telling you, hold on a second, sit back. You need to take a break You need to really just wind down, press pause, and we need to take this time to regenerate. So I was thinking about it, and I know I've heard this before, that also when you're on this spiritual journey and you're quote-unquote leveling up, I have heard that a lot of people also tend to get really sick because it's your body purging itself of this old skin and stepping into the new one. And I really believe that's true because after the week I've had, I feel today just so energized and I was almost in tears this morning just from feeling so happy and so ready and so fulfilled by doing what I'm doing with Enlightenedhood. And again, I know I say this all the time, but thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all of your support. I could not do it without you. So anyway, back to the podcast. Today, I am chatting with Kim Porter. She is a life and business coach. And Kim is really amazing because not only is she running two very successful businesses, she is also raising three kids. And so Kim and I had a great conversation about everything she does to stay aligned while life gets crazy. And she also shared some really low lows with me. And I think you'll appreciate everything she has to say. So here is Kim Porter. So we are jumping in right in right now. Oh, yeah. Okay, we're in it. <laughs> we are in it. So Kim, one thing I really love about your story is that it's so relatable and you went through many phases and became a mother in in throughout those phases and then kind of had this calling that you denied and then went back to. So can you share the winding road of your story? Yeah, absolutely. So I started, I'm on my 18th year. Um, in the beauty industry as a makeup artist. And I really did it part-time as my two kids were little and I wanted to be home with them during the week and I was able to work on weekends. And then my, my, our now middle was our youngest. And I decided, well, you know, I really need to get a real job, you know, quote unquote, my husband's going to make me get a real job when he goes into school. So I'm going to see what I can do with this makeup artistry business. And I was able to take my business from 
just six weddings in 2012 to 50 weddings in 2015. Wow. And so I was able to, you know, I've been, I've worked on the vice president, I've worked on major celebrities. And so I've had this really amazing career. But in 2015, I started to get this feeling that I was supposed to be doing something different or something deeper. And I kind of dabbled in coaching. I got into personal development. I was reading you know, Gabrielle Bernstein. I was reading mm-hmm. um, James Sincero's books. And so I felt like there was this calling, but it didn't make sense. And right about the same time that I was really deep diving into it, we found out we were expecting our third surprise bonus baby. Um, and so it was a big leap because our other ones were, I guess, I think they were 10 and seven at the time. Um, so it was a huge jump for us. And, you know, we didn't have any baby stuff. We were starting completely new. And so, uh, (laughs) it was a big life change. And so I kind of put everything on the back burner, but I also, I was kind of, I was at a crossroads and I couldn't see it at the time. It makes sense now, but I could have gone home and just been a you know mother for a little while and put my business on hold, or I could have gone the other direction, which I decided to go, which was go big or go home. And I opened a four station um, beauty bar and really just dived head first into this and was like, I'm going to, you know, we're going to book 150 weddings a year. I'm going to have a huge team. And, and I got into it and I felt miserable and I felt pulled. Um, you know, I wanted to be at home with our baby, but then also I was trying to build this huge business. And so, um, you know, I, I had, I went through a depression. I went through a a point in my life that felt very, uh, scary. And, and I, I remember this point of going to the grocery store. I was driving by myself to the grocery store and I thought, I just wish my car would hit a tree and just end it because I don't want anyone to know how miserable I feel and how, I just feel stuck and I don't know how to get myself out of this and I don't want to tell anyone. And, and then, you know, once you hit that, I feel like once you hit that rock bottom, um, universe kind of gives you, you know, it kind of throws you a bone a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's like here, you know, and so I was able to finally close that studio and move into a smaller studio. And I shared about a year later, I shared that, um, that feeling of wanting my car to hit a tree on Facebook. And I got so many women contacting me and commenting. And I just realized there's kind of an epidemic of women who are really unhappy in their lives. And they don't want to tell anyone because on the outside, it looks perfect. Like I have a husband and three beautiful children and a business. So what do I have to be unhappy about? And so I, I followed the calling. And so here I am doing business and life coaching for women, and really feeling finally that fulfillment that I was looking for. Did you ever once think throughout your whole makeup career? I mean, being a makeup artist and a creative, you do have a certain people, a a people person quality to you. Mm -hmm. Did you ever think that you would be a coach? I felt like there was another layer to me. I've been teaching makeup artists um, since 2012. I've been teaching classes and coaching and mentoring. So I knew that that's what I love to do. I knew that that excited me, that I felt um, the most excited when I was able to teach. And so I knew that I had that in me. And and before I got into makeup, I was going to go into teaching. So I, I guess it's always been there, but I didn't see, I didn't see how the makeup connected to coaching at the time. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see it. Was there any backlash from when you decided that you wanted to become a coach from other people in your life thinking that you were crazy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, I haven't actually asked anyone. It's a funny question. Um, 
yeah, I think we all experience when we go through a transformation. I kind of felt like a, you know, I went through the caterpillar and the cocoon stage. Mm -hmm. Um, I just really kind of cut everything off. Like I, I just started reading books and I got very, um, into myself. And so, you know, when you do that, you know, friendships get hurt. You know, I had to tell my husband at one point, like, it's not you, it's me. Like I need to figure out who I am. You need (laughs) the bubble. Yeah, I needed, I needed the bubble. And I spent, gosh, I don't even know, maybe like a full year in a bubble. And uh, I'm now, I feel like the butterfly is just emerging from it. I love that. I'm coming out of my bubble right now too. So I told, <laughs> I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. You need that. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's like the, it's the metamorphosis if you have to go through it. Yeah. And especially when you're making all these huge energy shifts in your life and you just become so sensitive to everything else around you. And one thing could really just set you back. Yeah. Yeah. And you are, you are, I mean, you're a feeler. Most of us are very intuitive and feelers and so I'm still doing wedding makeup and it's, um, it is, it's harder for me now because I am such a feeler that I can feel all the energy. And I felt like I've always been that way, but now mm-hmm. it's so much more. And you really kind of have to like put up a wall around you so yeah. that you don't get all that energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So being a coach, how has empowering other women to really find their calling and demolish all these self-limiting beliefs? How has it helped empower you? Oh my gosh. It's such a mirror. It's listening to what they're going through is such a mirror for my own life. And I can, I can see where they're at because I remember being where they're at. And so when I can say something that helps them, um, you know, see themselves for who they truly are and then, you know, it's, it's empowering them. And so I feel more empowered because I'm helping them and I'm kind of just guiding them through a transition that I've already gone through. Um, and they can start to see their true value and their true worth is amazing. I love that. What do you think is the biggest self-limiting belief that most women have? That we are not enough. Yes. That we I have to that. fill ourselves up. And so for me, it was, I have to be successful. Once I'm finally successful, then I will feel happy. And when I got to that point and I, and all the check marks were there and I thought, I don't feel successful and I don't feel happy. What is wrong with me? That's when all my walls came crashing down. And I think women overbook themselves and say yes to too many things thinking that, well, you know, if people like me, then I'll feel my worth. And it, it never mm-hmm. happens that way. I'm so happy you said that because I've been preaching this to my husband for the longest time and just have through my own transformation really realized that it's so easy to, easy to say when I'm blank, then I'll be happy mm-hmm. or then I'll feel mm-hmm. successful or then I'll feel like myself. And mm-hmm. We just keep putting off showing up as the best version of ourselves, And, you know, it's, it is really hard for some people to realize that. And that's why we need people like you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Wait a second. You can be you and so much more. Yeah. And, and holding off our happiness. I was always that I'll feel happy when we get a new house. I'll feel happy when we, you know, I get a new car. I'll feel happy when I would, that's how I lived my life. And I was very good at manifesting. Um, but once I reached a point where I knew, like I've done the vice president's makeup, I've done celebrities. I've, you know, I've done, you know, 200 and something weddings. Like, uh, why don't I feel happy? And, and you just kind of start to go, is this it? Like, I'm going to always be striving for the next thing. I'm never mm-hmm. actually going to feel happy. It's a horrible feeling. So yeah. if I can help someone not feel like that, I think, you know, that's, that's why I'm here. 
I love it. So let's talk a little bit about the meditation and your journaling and mindfulness. And now you're running two businesses and raising three kids. So how do you use all of that to stay sane and balanced <laughs> and just keep pushing? Yeah, to keep pushing. Yeah, I I think the motto for right now is nothing's ever going to be perfect. Um, it's never, the kids are never going to act the way exactly I want them to, you know, it's, it's never going to be perfect. And so I just have to know that, that that's going to be the case. But, and I started meditating. I was learning about meditation in 2015, but, um, I started to really practice it. And now, you know, it's, it's meditation, more of just a quiet space Mm -hmm. for me to be able to center myself. Um, you know, I think I, like I used to think, you know, you have to sit cross-legged on the floor for four hours to be in meditation and that's not true at all it really we need to take the stigma away from you know it has to be this you know big ordeal it really is just a mindfulness of being quiet for giving yourself a break your mind a break from the social media and the chaos of our lives yeah I love that you said that because I think that that's definitely the biggest stigma I face with people who kind of roll their eyes roll back in their head when I talk to them about <laughs> meditation and mindfulness, uh-huh. that it's just this idea that exactly what you said, that you have to sit with your legs crossed for four hours and just to think about absolutely nothing. And right. people think, oh, I can't make my mind slow down, or I don't think I cannot think about anything. And really, there is just this stigma that it's so hard and that it takes so much work. And there's these Buddhist monks who have been dead dedicating their life to it for (laughs) decades, but really it is just the, these small moments of quiet that keep us aligned and balanced. And I just love so much that you said that because it's just more validation that there are people who get it. Yeah. Yeah. And centered, like it's just quiet. We're like constantly inundated with so much noise and the news and we don't know who we truly are anymore. We forget who we are because we're so inundated with information. So yeah, that's really that simple. It's just quiet time. Yeah. We're just being, and we're being told who we should be Mm -hmm. with all the crazy algorithms with marketing and your social media and media in general. It's, it's scary. And we, I think what's really helped me is taking that step back. I used to listen to the new, when I was pregnant, I listened to the news every single morning and it just made me so stressed out and so fearful that I was bringing life into this world. And once I stopped doing that and really said, okay, I have the power to create my own reality and my own bubble and have my own vibe that really helped me kind of center myself and realize I have control over this situation. Do you feel the same with your quiet really helps you presently parent? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I will not lie and say that I wake up every morning and meditate for 20 minutes. You know, it is not that way. There's a lot of mornings where I'm like, everybody get up, we gotta go. And it's like this crazy chaos. And trying to get everyone out the door, but it really is about like when I can find the time and how I make the time. My husband knows like there's just times where I'm like, I need some quiet time. Like I need time for myself for a minute. Or when I'm driving, I hardly ever listen to the radio anymore because that is a quiet, peaceful time for me now when I'm in the car by myself. Um, So, but like you said, you know, it's like when you are hearing the news and it's all negative, we, they are on a negative bias. They know that we love the negative stuff that we Mm -hmm. kind of thrive on it. But when we cut that stuff out, I cut off my, all my Facebook newsfeed has no news anymore. And 
And it's so it's such a peaceful place when you start to like look around and see that there is a lot of positivity and love in this world. Um, and I, we have the power to do that. And it's amazing. Yeah, it really is so interesting once you start surrounding yourself with whether it's people or even media outlets that are talking about the positive and the good and the people who are going to uplift you and empower you, how even much something as simple as that can have an effect on you. A great effect is such a positive effect. We feel better when we think of positive things. No, it's that's exactly what being mindful is. It's just making that intention to feel better. Yeah. And self-correcting when you realize that, oh, this might be affecting me in a way that's not necessarily the best. Exactly. Right. It's funny now that I'm thinking about it. I used to work um, at a dog hotel and I did their marketing and every day the, my Facebook feed at work would just be really sad dog stories and dogs who needed adoption or needed fun, like money for operations that the owners couldn't afford. And it, I used to come home feeling so sad. And when I left that job, I realized how much it affected me. And it's something so simple, but it really does have such an effect. And you don't realize it at, when you're consciously consuming it, but. No, yeah, you're totally right. We have the power. And that's, that's amazing that you did that. And you know that, and now you can share that with others. It's beautiful. Yeah. I, I have a, um, a, what's the word for it? Sorry. I have fourth trimester brain and (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that ever comes back. Let's be honest. (laughs) I have new mom brain, a plugin. I think that's the word on my, on my browser where it replaces all pictures of politicians with kittens. And that that has really helped too. That's amazing. Yeah. Just the little things that you could implement to your everyday life. Well, and like, I think the tools like on this kind of like, I'm doing the same thing. So right now I'm being very mindful. If I feel extremely positive and happy, I'm writing down what it is I'm doing and what makes me feel happy. And if I'm feeling negative on the opposite side of that paper is like everything, what I'm doing and why I'm feeling negative, because I actually want to find a pattern. I think that there's a pattern of things that are that happen or pop up. So, I mean, we can take that, um, you know, these tools that we have, these meditation and um, journaling and things like that, and actually really learn about ourselves. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Is that exercise part of your journaling ritual? This is something new that I'm actually just starting as um, like an experiment almost. Um, I just, I, what I realized the other day, I got on Facebook first thing in the morning. And I immediately felt negative and felt sour the entire day, just irritated. And I realized in the mornings that I wake up and then I journal and I'm talking about what I'm grateful for. I set my intention for the day that I feel more positive and powerful. But when I get on Facebook first thing in the morning and I'm scrolling and I'm starting to compare myself or I'm starting Mm -hmm. to feel bad, I, I mean, I, it's all, it's like my whole day, it changes you know, because I haven't started off on the right foot. I haven't started off on the right mindset. Um, so now I want to find out like all day long, like if I feel sour about something, or I don't feel good about something, what, what happened and where did that come from? Um, so it's like a little experiment I'm doing on myself. I love that. Have you discovered anything else besides social media that makes you feel that way? Um, it's when I'm, when I'm home with our, our third child, Emma, she's um, about to be three. And 
So our other two are older, 14 and 11. And then when I'm home with her and I'm not living in the moment, I feel like I should be doing something else. I feel um, bad because I'm not able to do a blog post or do something for work. And then I start to kind of resent being home. Um, that will put me in a horrible mood because that's not really who I am and it's not how mm-hmm. I want to feel. And I understand how um, how grateful, um, I don't know if grateful is the right word that I want to say, but I know that the opportunity that I have to be able to stay home with her three days a week is amazing. And most mothers would kill to have that opportunity. So for me to feel bad because I can't do a blog post that day um, is terrible. So I just, I just have to know, like I have to be in the moment with her and taking the time because I also know how fast it goes with our oldest one turning 14 this month. It flies by. So why would I want to spend that time feeling bad because I'm not getting everything done. I want to get done that day. Yeah. At least it's good that you're recognizing that. I think that's the Mm -hmm. first step. The first step is recognizing it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's having children's not easy and having businesses, you know, you're trying to balance a lot of things. So, Mm -hmm. um, being very like centered and in the moment when I take her outside and we're playing and I'm like putting my face in the sun and we're having fun. I feel whole and, and I feel like I'm meant to be where I am. But if I start to feel guilty because I'm not working as hard as I could be, then it doesn't serve me or her. And I feel like kids are sponges. So she your youngest must really appreciate your presence and will really soak that up of you just being present. In yeah, the well, moment. the older ones got that for me. Yeah. The older ones, I didn't, I didn't have a business, um, like really like I have now when the older ones. So I was, I gave them 150%, you know, that's all I wanted to do was be home with them. And then I had this, you know, little side business on the weekend. So I want to be able to give our youngest that same that same feeling, but I have other moms who run businesses with kids and they're, you know, they're hustling, they're sending out mm-hmm. emails and they're, so I, that comparison, you know, it's also there to compare myself and then I'll feel bad about myself. And that's just not who I want to be. Yeah. Have your older kids recognized any of your mindfulness rituals or asked you about them or do they practice any of them themselves? Uh-huh. That's so funny. My daughter was making fun of my Abraham Hicks videos. The other day. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like reciting them and, and, you know, she was doing it in a funny way. And I was like, you know what? Um, they, I think they've definitely noticed a change in me. One of the words that we use in our household now is like triggered. Like I'm, you're, I'm feeling triggered. Like they, they know. So it, I, they're definitely not meditating right now. They're, you know, but I think that they have picked up on some really positive things. And when I sit, we sit down at dinner, you know, a couple of times a week and, you know, I'm like, I don't want to hear what bad happens today. I want to hear what happened. That was great. What was good. And so I think they've picked up on some things, but you know, as a 14, 11 year old, they've got their own stuff going on, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think anything that we can do to bring some positivity in their life helps as well. Yeah. I think the fact that they're at least recognizing it. I mean, when you're teenager and a preteen you also think your parents are so embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) so I'm sure they'll they'll get it one day Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I think it can't help but bleed into other people when they're surrounded by someone who feels um, happy and positive like it's an energy so everyone feels it 
for the mothers out there who feel overwhelmed or like it's impossible and they don't have any time to incorporate this type of mindful thinking and presence into their life, what advice would you give them? Because as running two businesses and raising three kids, I can't imagine you have that much free time. You would be surprised. We have help. We have um, my husband's family lives close. And so we have a lot of help. Um, oh, that's like good. Paul today. Yeah. They picked up my little one for preschool and they're picking my big one up for middle school. So we have, we do have family. Um, so that makes all the difference. Um, you know, I was thinking about this earlier with our second, our middle child. Um, I remember going to the doctor and telling him like, I feel really overwhelmed. I feel like my heart's being really fast. I feel anxious all the time. And no one said to me, you know, are you taking time for yourself? Are you, you know, it was kind of like, do you want some medicine to make it feel better? Um, and I just remember like leaving that thinking that there's another answer for this. There's another, I know that there are moms who take medication that they need that and that it's, that's what they need to do. And that's what makes them better and happy and whole. And that is amazing. But for me, I was like, I need, I know that there's something else. And I think what it was, was I was putting too much pressure on myself to be perfect and to look perfect and to have other people perceive my life as perfect. And I was putting so much stress on myself. Um, Kids are not perfect or easy. They're going to have mistakes and they're going to have tantrums. My my almost three-year-old has a tantrum all the time. And I just have to remember, it's not about me. Mm-hmm. she's just having a moment, <laughs> you know, she's having a moment. It's not about, I can't always fix it. And I'm not always supposed to fix it. Sometimes she's just feeling her feelings and that's okay. Um, and I think the overwhelm really comes from us trying to be everything to everyone. And that's not fair to us. You can't pour from an empty cup. And so it's about taking the time. I know, you know, the, and the part of your question was, what if they have no time? I would imagine that their children sleep. <laughs> I would yeah. hope at some point there's a nap <laughs> involved in there. Um, so during that nap time, instead of trying to do all the laundry and all the dishes and all the things at the same time, maybe that's when you start doing your, you know, it starts with two minutes of quiet time, meditation, two minutes, you know, just enough to give yourself quiet time, but journaling, giving yourself time to sit outside and enjoy nature and, and just kind of be in your being. Um, I think is huge for us. We try to fill our, our plates with too much stuff. And we're just, I think that's where the overwhelm comes from. The anxiety comes from that. Yeah. Going back to what you said about recognizing within yourself that there had to be the root of the cause for feeling anxious. I love so much that you recognize that. Have you seen the documentary heal? No, is that the one on Netflix? Yes. No, I haven't seen it, but I need to. That and yes. Brene Brown is out too. I need yes. To see that as well. Oh my gosh. I that's I've been telling my husband we have to watch that for the past week and a half. We of course yeah. still not have not watched it yet, but it's on my to-do list. But the Heal documentary has the the very same message where with Western medicine, we're so quick to use pills to fix all these issues mm-hmm. um instead of solving the root of the problem. And there I don't it might've been Deepak Chopra who said that you should only go to a doctor if like your arm is being cut off, but everything else, (laughs) everything else, that's not all the chronic diseases and issues of anxiety and depression can all be solved within your own mind and in your own body. 
Yeah. And they, no. and they had no. all these, yeah. And they had all these uh, chemical biologists and really people talking about the science of it and the way that you think and how it really can alter your cells. And so I love that you recognize that with, you know, that having that instinct that this is something that I can change within myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just intuitive. I just, I just remember sitting there and going, he's offering me the happy pills or I can leave here and try to change something. And so, you know, his only one thing was like, maybe don't drink so much caffeine. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm drinking like coffee and green tea. So it was like, that was one like helpful thing, like don't, but it was also at the time I hadn't gone through my personal development journey. So I didn't really understand all of it, but you know, I think with anxiety, it is, it's really just our minds trying to take over. Mm-hmm. And if we change our environment, if we, I actually just told a coaching client this, um, you know, she was being put on anxiety medication and she said, you know, I don't like it. And, and I said, change your environment. Like when you feel, you can feel it coming, change your environment, get up, walk out, go focus on a flower, go focus on something else. And it will change your body so that you mm-hmm. snap yourself out of it. And it really is just about knowing yourself and, um, and being able to change, you know, before it comes on fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one thing I think is a huge stigma about mindfulness too, is that it's just this huge long journey. And while it's not as much of a quick fix as popping happy pills, I think there still is once you start self-correcting, the change happens very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mine was a painful process only because I made it painful. I, you know, I took the crossroad that didn't quite align with me. Um, and I made it worse, but I also, in the hindsight realized that I learned empathy, like I could never have understood it before, before I only knew success and, you know, how to do really well and how to achieve things. And now I understand, you know, really the depths of, I can understand when someone says to me, like, I feel horrible. I hate my life. I, I, you know, I, am contemplating suicide. I understand that way more now than I ever could. Um, so sometimes you have to go through the journey. I mean, sometimes it's a process because we need to heal mm-hmm. ourselves that way. So yeah, I think had, however long it takes, you know, you, we got to go through it. Yeah. And you had to cultivate those tools in order to be able to help people in that way. Absolutely. It always makes sense when you look back. <laughs> it doesn't make sense while you're in it, right? When you're, no. it, you're like, what is happening to never. me? <laughs> it never makes sense. No, but that's why having a coach is so important because it's someone who has, is someone who has gone through it can help pull you forward mm-hmm. and help you, you know, through it. And so that's where, you know, I, I didn't even know like a coach like that existed. I thought it was just like really just therapy. Um, you know, going to a licensed therapist, I didn't realize there was a whole community of um, personal development coaches who going, you know, transitioning into your life. It's just really cool. Right. What are, what would you say the top tools are that you use to help your clients? Well, I think when they come to me, they're coming to me for something that they want, like a quick fix. Like I'm feeling overwhelmed, you know, I'm feeling resentful or, you know, I'm, I'm having something going on. But when you start, when I I eventually start to deep dive, I don't always deep dive, but you know, once you start to listen a little bit more, you know, you're, you know, four sessions in and something comes up and then I'm able to go, wait, now where did that come from? And then we're able to deep dive a little bit more. And, you know, I think most of us at the end of the day, don't feel valuable. We don't feel like we have enough worth and we, 
don't feel like we're enough. And so we have to figure out where those, where those negative feelings are coming from. Um, and then when, when we kind of, I want them to find their negative thoughts and, you know, and journal about them and, um, be more mindful of what we're thinking because what we're thinking is manifesting. Mm -hmm. You attract what you put out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if we're thinking our life sucks all day, every day, what do we think is going to manifest? We have to be mindful of the thoughts. And, um, so many people go through life and have no clue that, you know, they're even thinking these negative thoughts that were, you know, probably embedded in them, you know, when they were younger, um, we really need to like find out where they come from and heal them and release them so that we can live those more fulfilling, happy lives. I love that. I've heard before now you can, based on experience, tell me whether or not you think this is true, that there's usually about five events before the time that we're 11 that are really ingrained in our subconscious as to who we are and affect our self-limiting beliefs. Have you found that that's true with your clients? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know about, I've never heard five events, but that's pretty amazing because then that gives you, you know, a number of like how, what to look for. But, um, we all have, if we don't have like, um, really deep trauma, we didn't, you know, we weren't traumatized in life. We had, some of us had loving parents that just didn't quite know their own pain. Um, Mm -hmm. and so they inflict that on us unintentionally teachers can say things, students in elementary school. And, you know, it's like a lot of that is stuff that someone's projected onto us that we've absorbed into our subconscious that we don't even know is there. Mm -hmm. Um, but it keeps showing up. It keeps showing up. Like I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it. Or, you know, I'm not smart enough. I keep, I use this one. Like I'm not smart enough. Some kid in the second grade said, you're, you know, you're so dumb. You'll never amount to anything. And then I hold on to that forever. Until it comes out and I'm like, wait a second, where did that come from? Or my money story, you know, this one is, it was a huge one. I burst into tears when I realized my money story was, you know, money ruins marriages and money is bad and rich people are bad. And it's like, no wonder you've had money issues because you have these negative beliefs. So as a coach and recognizing how quickly these things can be entered into our subconscious, how has that affected the way you parent and kind of have raised your children. I'm so worried. I'm screwing them up. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> I'm screwing them up every second. Now I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, uh, you know, I think that oh gosh, it's so, it's so hard. And one of my favorite, um, Eckhart Tolle, did I say that right? Eckhart Tolle. I'm gonna I, like I I'm gonna... Eckhart Tolle, right? That's right. I think that's right. It sounds but right. I think it was it was a new earth. I think it was what it was, the pain body and that it lives in us. And then we just pass it on and pass it on through the generation. And it's so scary when you realize that they're like, my parents said things to me because their parents said things to them. I mean, it just, I am trying to break the cycle. I'm trying to be, but I'm also human. And right. so I say things, you know, that I wish that I hadn't said all the time, or my daughter will come out. And, you know, my first instinct is like, did you brush your hair? Did you da 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 da? And 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 I I have to catch myself and realize like she needs things. She needs for me to say things to her so that she gets her cup filled and she feels more fulfilled. Um, it's it's hard. It is so hard as a parent to make sure that you're doing it right. So even when you're, you know, unconscious and not awake, and then you wake up and you realize it's even harder because you're terrified you're going to say the wrong thing. 
But the, yeah. I think the most important thing is that we empower them that they are, they are in control of how they feel. They are in control with, of their lives. So if at some point, 20 years down the road, they need to go into therapy, I'll totally get it. You know, <laughs> I'll support them. Um, but I hope that I'm giving them the power in their own toolbox so that they know how to deal with those things when it come up. I can only imagine how terrifying it is. My daughter's only five weeks old, so I have a long way to go with all the things I could say or do that are just going to yeah. be permanently ingrained. Yeah, no, it's really scary. But, you know, as a 14-year-old, like she hears all this stuff at school and she's already, you know, she knows that, you know, there's rich kids and poor kids and, you know, and it's like this mm-hmm. whole, like, and I just, I hate that she's taking all that on, but all I can do is like keep giving her the positive and keep showing up as the person that I want to be. I think that's the best thing we can do is to show up as happy and fulfilled mm-hmm. for our children and they can learn, they'll learn from that. Yeah. Have you read uh, Dr. Shafali Sabari's books at all? No. This is So she combines Eastern Buddhist philosophy with a Western psychology. And she has a series mm-hmm. of books that are kind of exactly what we're talking about. But just oh, how, how, how scary. So it, one's called The Conscious Parent. And that's what really almost launched me on this journey because I was reading it and thinking to myself, oh, hey, my mom did a pretty good job. And then thinking about how some of my peers were raised and thinking, oh, yeah, their parents definitely projected their ego on them. And that's why <laughs> yeah. the way that's why they're the way they are. <laughs> but it's really just so interesting when you think about that. If you take away the the parent to child hierarchy and you just recognize your kids as being people and letting them kind of find their own way, even if they do have, like you said, have to go to therapy later in life, but really just supporting them in any way possible without saying, I'm the parent and you have to listen to every exact thing that I say. Yeah, no, I love that. And actually, I really totally want to read that book because I feel like I've only read discipline books. You know, I've only read like how to put your kids to sleep through the night books. I've never actually read a book on someone who was like, like you said, conscious parenting. Like that's amazing. I'm going to yeah. pick that book up. And then there's one called The Awakened Family. And then she has a third one that is about discipline, but I don't remember what it's called. But if you search right. her, they'll all come yeah. up, I'm sure. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love reading is like my GM. I love reading. Me too. I mean, before I started this whole journey of enlightenment, I thought I was a minority. And then once I realized I was not, it, the, the floodgates opened. True. It's so true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once you realize there's other women and other mothers out there who are consciously parenting and understand that your mindset and how high you're vibrating in meditation and taking that time for yourself makes you a better mother, it's... It, has helped at least validate even me when I've realized because before this, before this whole movement happened, I felt like there were other mothers who, if I said anything like this to, they would look at me like I had four heads. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, there's, you really have to be careful when you're talking. <laughs> yeah. And they're still out there, but <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. But you know, it really does make a difference. And every person I've talked to along this journey has just had such an amazing story. We all have our why of why we decided to 
make the change and make the mindset change. And I just love your why, because it's so relatable because I love what you said that there's so many women who feel unhappy and unfulfilled, but aren't talking about it. So mm-hmm. to end this podcast uh, for any woman out there who needs an uplifting words of wisdom from you, what would that be? It would be to say to yourself in the mirror, and you're going to feel ridiculous when you do it. I'm enough. I am smart. I am beautiful. I'm amazing. I'm going to succeed at anything that I put my mind to and just keep telling yourself that every single day and throughout the day to give yourself, you just have to fill that cup up of like, I am enough. I'm here for a purpose. And what I'm doing is important and just keep going. Thank you for listening to Enlightened Hood, a movement that empowers mindful motherhood and sees the beauty in every woman's why. If you would like to be part of our community, find us on Instagram at Enlightened Hood and subscribe to this podcast where we put out new episodes every Monday and Wednesday. Wednesday.